0: Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat.
1: Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 152. My name is Byron. I'm here with my good buddy, Gary. Uh, Gary, how's it going, my man?
2: You know, I'm just excited to be here for another episode of BJJ Brick. Uh, Like we said last week, I couldn't believe we did 151 episodes. We're up to 152, and, uh, you know, it just... uh it's like the train that can't stop. It just keeps rolling and uh, picking, up, picking up more listeners on the way.
1: Yep. Every week, we seem to have one more episode, and that's the way it's been going, and that's the way we hope to keep it going. This week, we have an interview with Dynas Nguyen. Uh, Dinas is a uh, martial artist for life. He's uh, done judo, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a very active competitor it's fun to watch as well. So we're happy to bring you that interview. How would you like to get the show notes emailed to you every week? Well, there's an easy way to do that, my friends. You can go to our website, bjjbrick.com, or the Facebook page, facebook slash bjjbrick, I think. And uh, <laughs> there's a little area Just to type put bjjbrick. It'll pop right up. Yeah. Um, there's a little area to put your name and your email address, and then uh, you'll get the. Uh, weekly email giving you all the show notes, all the links to everybody's pages that we're talking about, a link to the article. You'll get the quote uh, in writing, well in text, but you know everything. Everything is there for you, nice and convenient, and reminding you what's up. If you haven't listened to the show yet. Here's what you got to look forward to. So just a little bit of a, a way to keep up with you guys, uh, get you on the email list. So swing by if you haven't done it yet. Enter in your name. Yes. But best part is absolutely free. Just takes about two minutes at that. Maybe not even that, Gary.
2: You know, and Byron mentioned uh, the website BJJ Brick and the Facebook page BJJ Brick. And, you know, every now and then we get somebody to ask us, what is a BJJ Brick? And, uh, you know, and, hey, and you know what I always say? Hey, sir, that is a good question. <laughs> but um, I, we probably don't talk about it enough, but what we consider a BJJ Brick you know, well, first of all, we got to build a strong foundation, and we're building that, you know, one brick at a time where, you know, it's got to be strong, and bricks are very strong, but basically, as we start Jiu-Jitsu, we're, we're going to get really, really good at some moves. Um, you know, whenever you're in trouble, you kind of fall back to that move, or, or when you're trying to finish, you fall to that move, and, you know, maybe a Kimura, maybe a guillotine, maybe a straight ankle lock, but... You you get so good at that move, that one move, that it's like a brick. It's like getting hit with a brick. Somebody's smashing you over the head with a brick. It's over. You're going to sleep. Uh, when Byron goes for, you know, his arm bar, I'm I'm it's over. It's his brick. Or, you know, when, you know, somebody Matt Lowe goes for his, his leg locks. It's done. I, I'm not getting out of it. And basically that's what that is. It's something that you're so good at. It feels like you're getting uh, your opponent's getting hit with a ton of bricks. So, um, uh, just a little expl- explanation of what we mean by BJJ brick.
1: Good idea, Gary. Kind of just uh, for everybody who's new, and we don't talk about it even once every three or four months, so it's less than that. But uh, yeah, get good at some techniques. I think uh, at the height of my uh, of one of my frustrations was watching students try to learn new things constantly never having any sort of a focus or or anything to work on like for over the course of even a month, let alone, uh, you know, a year and get good at something. And I was like, you guys got to build some bricks. So, uh, I, I still think it's been a long time. We've learned a lot since then. I still think that building bricks is a great way to get good at jujitsu or any sport or really anything. You got to have, uh, something, a specialty, something that you're really good at.
2: Yep. And, uh, and as time goes on, you'll get more bricks in your tool case. So, um, Uh, You're going to get better and better at at other moves. So you'll have more than one brick, which is always good.
1: Yeah. As time goes on, we have definitely a big appreciation for our continued support on Patreon with our our biggest supporters, uh, Alexander, Sean, Greggy, and Rob. Uh, always been there for us and and helping us uh, produce the best quality show we can. Uh, It's it's just Gary and I over here, and we're doing the best we can, but uh, we're motivated – by, by the support to do, uh, the absolute best. We feel like we owe to those guys and everybody listening who's got, who, who's taking the time to put us in their ears and, and to listen to what we have to say and listen to the show every week. So, uh, thank you for listening and thank you, especially thank you for the Patreon supporters. Uh, so, uh, if you want to support the podcast, check out the fake, fi- check out the video about Patreon in the show notes, either on the website or in your inbox. Either way is pretty easy.
2: Yep. Hey, and there's also another way to, sh- support the show and uh byron has come out with an audiobook and it's called your first year in bjj it is two and a half hours of content um basically just like this show of byron uh uh discussing what you're going to run into on your first year i mean it goes everything from you know picking a school um to getting ready for your first tournament so um you know, it's, there's a lot of different topics, and your first year is a tough, tough year. It's, uh, if you get past that first year, you're probably going to stick with it. There's a lot better chance. A lot of people do drop on that first year, and that's what we don't want. We want people to, uh, have fun that first year, to get better, to stay motivated, to stay positive, keep training, and spread that bug of jujitsu. So definitely check out, uh, the link to it on the show notes, it's called uh, Your First Year in BJJ. Like I said, two and a half hours of content for only $11.99. Um, a lot of our listeners have purchased it. Uh, we've got some very, very good reviews. So definitely check it on out. And like I said, only $11.99. And the proceeds do go to support the show. So thank you.
1: Yes, thank you very much on that. Gary, we're always laughing and having a good time here. Uh, what does that have to do with our quote of the week?
2: Well, a uh, quote of the week is comes from a guy by the name of Andrew Carnegie. And I think he's a pretty famous person. And uh, his quote, where there is, oh, sorry. His quote is there is little success where there is little laughter.
1: Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. Andrew Carnegie, the the titan of steel in American history. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with him, he really revolutionized the steel industry and he uh, ruthless businessman. Um, he, he, I think if I can remember correctly, what made him uh, so successful in the steel industry is he controlled, like, they, uh, they called it vertical integration. So if you owned, uh, the coal that it took to make the steel, he was going to buy that business. And then uh, to make the coal from steel, he owned that business. And to make the steel into some sort of product, he owned that business. So he owned the whole process, which just shot up the profit revenues. This guy was a serious, uh, was one of the wealthiest people uh, in the country, if not the world at the time. And here he is, you know, valuing some laughter in order to have success. And I think this is true in business or definitely true on the mats. If you're not enjoying the process, you're not able to cut loose and have fun a little bit with jujitsu, uh, your long term success is in jeopardy. That's for sure. Gary, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I try to bring laughter into just about everything I do. I mean, my workplace, um, you know, my department you know, we have fun. We're always laughing and joking and, and we perform really well. It's kind of like a bunch of guys and girls getting together and, and having a party. I mean, that's kind of our atmosphere, but I mean, we work hard, but I think the, the laughter, like you said, keeps it positive, keeps it a little more jovial where you're, you're enjoying it. Um, like, so like I tell my people at work, you you never really want to come to work. I don't care what anybody says, but, if you have a good atmosphere and, and a fun atmosphere, there's probably a better chance you're going to perform better. You're going to show up more often. And, and, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, I, not necessarily talking about laughter, but last week's episode with, uh, uh, Steven Patterson, you know, talking about being positive to the kids, um, you know, the, the young kids being positive. And, you know, I, I just think a little bit of laughter is very positive. I, I've been to schools before where, uh, you know, I wasn't allowed to talk and, you know, it's just all business and, and t- everybody's got their own style they like. And, and, you know, that works great for some people, but, but for me, I like to joke. I like to laugh. I like to train. I like to train hard, but uh, you know, that, that laughter is going to, is going to make it more enjoyable for me and, and I'm probably going to perform better.
1: Yep. Absolutely. But just, I think, the attitude of this is going to be fun today it helps the learning process. It helps the motivation, uh, level to be a little higher. And, uh, don't be afraid to have a good time on the mats. You know, who, it's hard. Here's one thing that I've noticed. Even when somebody is, is not quite doing things perfectly, if they're having a good time. It's hard to be like, Hey, quit doing that. You know, a on the mats, we're paying to be there. This is a service that we're, we're paying for. So we should be enjoying it. And, If you, if your ultimate goal is to be really good at jiu-jitsu, you're going to be doing jiu-jitsu for a while. And if you're not able to have fun with it, you'll probably not make it. At some point, you'll say, Oh, this isn't very much fun. Or you'll, you'll hit that little slump and you won't go because it's not fun and you're not, and you're not motivated. But if you're not motivated and you go because it's fun, it keeps you on that mat, that, that grind of, of your slump. So, uh, try to make it fun. Try to be around the, try to, try to be around the people who are having a good time.
2: And you know what the craziest thing about this quote is, is Byron, your little history lesson on Andrew Carnegie. I don't know where you learned that from, but I didn't know any of that. So uh, vertical integration, I'm, I'm definitely impressed.
1: There we go. It's like uh, it's like the podcast. You know, we it's all vertically integrated. Um, we start with a, a blank file, and we record some uh, audio, and then we uh, splice in some music. Record an interview, and then have the end of the show, and then we vertically. Uh, upload it to the internet, and then vertically upload it into your ear. And that's basically where it ends right there. <laughs> and then you can upload it what? to your friend. You can tell them about it. We appreciate that. Well, Byron is talking to me about being making our podcast
2: more vertical. So I spent like three weeks rock climbing, you know, to get up a little bit higher. But
1: uh, I guess I was doing it the wrong way. That's true. Uh, we're talking about things getting vertical. How about let's go... Something inverted. inverted. Ah, Gary, we're on the same page, my friend. Invertedgear.com. This is inverted our article. Gear.com. Our article of the week is on Invertedgear.com by Matt Curley. Ten ways to improve your BJJ while off the mask. Gary, let's just cover a couple of them. We'll put the link to the article in the show notes. you got to check out the rest of them. But uh, one that stood out to me right away was was the first one actually, not just right away, but it stood out with a little more impact, I guess, is practice visual visualization. You could do this off the mat, you could do this, you know, while you're bored or you know laying in bed or, or eating breakfast, whatever. <clears throat> you can visualize the flow of your game and it will make your game a little bit quicker. So if if I'm trying to work on uh, just to keep it simple, an arm bar from the top. I could okay. First, I got to visualize. I got to get on top. So I'll probably choose one of these two passes I like and kind of run through in my head the steps to do a successful pass and maybe even some common pitfalls that might slow me down or might kind of take me back. I get to I get past the guard. Now I'm going to visualize. Okay, now what's important? Well, they don't always pass <laughs> into like an easy armbar, so I'm going to have to isolate an arm and maybe get the elbow lifted up off the body and then I'm going to have to keep that real stable. So I'm probably going to use. Uh, my body in a way and kind of visualize what's happening uh, to get that arm up. And then you're going to, you know, get control of the arm and then uh, get your legs involved in the picture. However, you, uh, would visualize your best way to do that. And then, you know, you visualize, okay, what if he grabs his hands together and I can't quite finish the arm bar. Maybe run through two or three things that you could do to, to break that grip and finish the arm bar. Or what if he tries to get up and put me on my back? Well, do I continue to do that? Do I try to keep him down on the ground? You know, just visualizing this will help you, you kind of process the possibilities of what's going to happen. You'll react a little quicker. You'll, you'll have more confidence when you're doing it and just being able to see that, that flow path, uh, uh the progression of the technique. Should help you out quite a bit, and it will help you. I'm so terrible at remembering techniques. If I did this every morning after I trained a new technique, I'd be more clear to remember it. But I don't. It would be a good way to do that. But just help you kind of keep the the your attack plan in your mind, and you can do this on the car in the car on the way to class. So just visualizing some of your techniques, maybe your game plan, uh, could be a, a great benefit on the mat, and it's something that you could do off of the mat, Gary.
2: Yep. Another one I think that kind of goes with the visualization, visual, visualization. Nailed <laughs> I can't it. Even say the word. But is number two uh, keep a training journal. And a lot of times, you know, we go to class and we learn three or four moves and, you know, sequences, positions, you know, transitions. We go home and we forget it all. And basically what I like about a training journalist is sometime after class, after practice, I will just sit down with a a little notebook and I'll kind of try to – remember back, almost like visualization. I'm trying to go back to what we did in that class that day and write down kind of what I learned. Or, and, you know, sometimes I'll even go back later on and the notes don't make that much sense, but it seems like it pulls up in my brain that I was like, oh, okay, you know, once I start repeating it, I'll be like, okay, this is what I wrote down that day. I kind of remember it. But um, I, I've just learned so much through the years that a training journal has really helped me remember some of the stuff and and every now and then i'll even have a, a move or a position that i've kind of stopped using and i'll go back and I'll, I'll go through my training journal and i'll be like oh man i forgot about that and my next uh next time i train i'll always bring that out just to uh, try to get it back into my uh, my game plan
1: very nice gary i i like to i'm gonna skip down to number four uh, analyze your strengths and weaknesses uh, this is a great off the mat activity you could do. You really learn about it while you're on the mat, but uh, if you want to break it down and figure out where you're strong, where your bricks are, and where you're weak, you know, where you're, you've got balsa wood holding something up uh, that you need to, to work on, or maybe you don't need to work on it. Maybe I don't need to have the best mount attacks in the game because I prefer to attack from side control. That's one weird area that. I could have a weakness, and it really doesn't need to affect me. But just kind of break down, and he's got some great lists here. He's he's got like techniques, and he's got you know defenses and escapes, takedowns, and then he's got physical stuff like strength and power. And then mental stuff, you know, self discipline and focus. Go down his list there, and and just kind of analyze yourself the best, the most honestly you can, and figure out where you're strong, where you're weak. Sometimes you could get a lot better by making your strength a lot stronger or sometimes you get a lot better by making your weakness into one of your strengths. But sometimes it takes way too much work and you just make it decent. But just having the idea of analyzing that for yourself gives you kind of a good uh, look at what you're up to and and what you maybe should focus on.
2: Byron, you know, going back to the you were talking about your strengths and weaknesses, um what do you find you do more do you work on your weaknesses more or do you work on your strengths and try to get them better more
1: i i tend to that's an interesting question uh right now at this time in my game i i think i'm working on strengths i'm i'm really enjoying uh leg drag passing uh introduced you know really to me by tim sled and his dvds and uh leg drag passing and then i'm working on uh, arm locks from the top once i do pass like, i kind of those two things are going well together they're both offensive. They're both uh, some of my strengths. Uh, I do occasionally find a weakness in my game, and it's hard to get super motivated to work on that weakness. You know, um, but that's a big deal. I remember last time I really working on a weakness was like getting out of sight control. We Gary and I drove that a lot, and now it's one of my strengths. I'm confident my guard. If it gets passed, I'll be in sight control uh, for less than a few seconds. Uh, if you know, a lot of times anyway, and I get my guard back and uh, that's one area that was a weakness, and now it's actually uh, something that I needed to work on. I couldn't neglect that part of my game and I and uh, Gary helped me fix that. How about you, Gary? Do you like to work on your strength or your weaknesses?
2: You know I, I kind of go in. I switch them back and forth, but it seems like here in the last couple of years, I, I've been really working on my strengths um, and just trying to, you know, get a little bit better at each, each and the, each strength I have, you know, I've really been working on my Gamora and my leg locks a lot and it, I don't know. I, I go back and forth sometimes, uh, you know, I'll spend a year or so just working on what I'm really bad at, but here in the last couple of years, I've just been all strength related to my strengths. So, you know, I go back and forth, but, uh, you really do need to work on both, but uh, it, I guess, depending on where you're at in your game, is kind of where you're going to go.
1: Yep. And um, if if one of your weaknesses just got exposed, and it's like you really feel like, oh man, I had no idea. I can't. I don't know how to get out of a triangle. Well, time to work on that. I mean, it's, if the, somebody has shown you something, then that's a great opportunity to fix it.
2: Yep. And that is true. Like a lot of times. I may be working on my strengths, but then all of a sudden I really get exposed, you know, while training. And at that point, it's like, uh, kind of like what we talked about last week. I'm going to, uh, uh, look at what path I'm at. And it's like, Hey, you know, maybe I need to cut back on the strengths and work on, uh, let's say I just got exposed by, I kept getting caught in triangles. Hey, maybe I need to work on triangle def- defense or, or not, uh, you know, getting in that position, you know, how to, uh, how to stay out of that position. So, um, uh, I, if I really do get exposed or, or you know, the other way, let's say I'm not, you know, I'm working on defense or working on my weaknesses and I'm not just able to finish anybody. I keep getting uh, the, the arm tangled, you know, looking like I'm ready to go for a Kamora but I just can't finish. Then maybe I need to go back to work on my Kamora. So uh, I, I'll switch back and forth depending on what happens while I'm rolling. Uh, But, you know, enough on that topic, which is there's never enough on that topic. We'll go on to uh, number nine. I I like number nine. Uh, Find fun. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, laughter. Find fun, complimentary activities and sports. And uh, he's basically saying it's okay to do things other than jujitsu. They may even help. And and basically, uh, you can find outdoor, indoor activities. Um, You know, he goes on to talk about swimming, surfing paddle boarding, kayaking, rock climbing, hiking, trail running, bike riding, weightlifting, you know, really anything that's going to help, really just about anything is going to help you in jiu-jitsu if you're exercise related, because no matter what, it's going to build your heart, um, build some muscle. But, you know, I think sometimes for myself, jiu-jitsu is a little bit harder on the body. You know, I'm getting my arms twisted, I'm getting my neck twisted, I'm getting choked, I'm getting slammed. And, some days my body needs a rest. And, and basically what I like is I can go do some sort of exercise and still build muscle, work my muscles, work my heart, but without stressing my body as much. So, um, and I want to have fun just like I do with jujitsu. I want to be smiling. It's going to make it that much more positive. I'm the better chance I'm going to stick to it. So, um, you know, I just think, uh, nine is, is very, very important.
1: Yeah. Gary, and I'm, I also enjoy other things. The, the, the odd thing that I do that I would guess that less than 1% of the audience does, I play racquetball. It's kind of a game that was big in the 80s, but, uh, it's, it's a blast. It's hilarious. It's, it's a lot of work. And it's it's I'm, I play with a competitive group of guys, and uh, it's just a good time. And I end up getting you know I stay sweaty. And uh, the the bad thing about oh, racquetball, I, I don't forget to shower. I don't forget to shower. I'm I'm good at remembering that. The one thing is I'm just it's it's because I have a racket. I'm just using one arm, and so it's I feel like if I just played racquetball and didn't do any other exercise, it'd be kind of an odd. It's a good cardio, but uh, muscle wise. I'm really doing nothing with my left arm at all, and that's jujitsu kind of brings more balance to that. And you got to use your whole body in jujitsu, so it kind of helps me balance that. But uh, I play racquetball a couple times a week. Have a good time. We're we're laughing and like having a good time on the racquetball rink. It's actually a court, yeah. but I always call it rink cause a rink just because a rink make fun of yeah, myself. Just
2: because you like to cause trouble.
1: I like to call, I like to say things incorrectly uh, sometimes on purpose. So,
2: yeah. one crazy we're talking about complementary activities is I was over at Byron's house one day. And uh, we're in his garage, I think, probably training. He had some mats in his garage. And and I, I see a unicycle. And rarely do you see a unicycle unless you hang out with a circus. So I was like, man, I bet that would be great for you, jiu-jitsu, um, you know, balance-wise. And, and I, I kind of looked at it and uh, thought about trying to get up on it and saw about how unstable it was. And Byron said it was very, very tough. And I decided not to try it before I got a concussion. But uh, I think that would be a, be a good exercise for your balance.
1: Well, I uh, my wife teases me about twice a year about not being able to do the unicycle because I have one. So I can't do it. it uh, I think she just wants to get me to get on there and, and bust my butt uh, falling and, and enjoy that process. But it, it is very difficult. I'm sure it would be something that either one of us could learn if we wanted to put some time into it. It's definitely a weakness in our game. But, uh, well, I think
2: <laughs> once you actually do get up, on it you know and you spend a good probably 20 or 30 seconds up on it i think we should uh hook a rope to your car get you up on it and then i'll 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 go i'll pull you down the highway <laughs> i think that would be and then we could tape that okay i think that'd be great to videotape it
1: we put that on our youtube channel that people are subscribing to
2: yep <laughs> but we would like to thank uh matt curtley for the article you know just an awesome article and um you know just great ways to uh to increase your game while off the mat, which uh, we're never always going to be on the mat. So uh, when we're off it, we want to find out how to get better.
1: Yep, awesome stuff. We mentioned four of them. There's another six to go. Check out the link in the show notes or go to invertedgear.com and check out the article there. So uh, uh, thanks, Matt, for the uh, great article. Always good to read his stuff. All right, with the article wrapped up, I think it's time, Gary, to get on with the interview with Dynas Nguyen. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He once started a wave at the ADCC. Twenty-three people drowned. He has vowed to never repeat this act of carelessness. He did forward rolls to the top of Mount Everest. He once stripped so hard he accidentally opened a Red Lobster. I don't always listen to
2: podcasts. But when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Go for the submission, my friends.
1: All right, my friends. I'm happy to bring Dinus Nguyen to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Dinus, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks a lot for having me, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm happy to, to have you on the show. We'll get to know you a little bit better, and, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. So, uh, really uh, looking forward uh, to getting into that. Could you just kind of uh, give us a little introduction about uh, maybe a little personal history, Um, maybe your are starting martial arts and kind of where you're at and what you're doing?
0: Uh, Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's been a, it's been a long journey, and, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. I started, my dad put me in judo when I was a little kid, the whole family, because he was a judo black belt as well. And I actually didn't like it when I was a kid, but I was forced to do it up until I think maybe 13, 14, and I got, then I started getting really good. So I enjoyed doing it, and I just did so on my own will then i uh, i was competing internationally in judo then judo got really expensive to travel and i i had already started bjj like a a year before so to improve my judo game i wanted to use some bjj but um it, it, it never happened right so what happened was um i went to uh I decided do those two expenses, so I just moved to doing jujitsu. I just train jujitsu all the time, and then I really enjoyed it. And I just uh, continued with it. And then along the way, i got to win like almost all uh, all the local competitions around Ontario. I even placed at some international events, like uh, in the Abu Dhabi World Pro and some big IBGF competitions. And then now I have my own academy uh, for about three and a half months now, and yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy journey. You know, I never thought. I, it would come to what it is, but I'm really grateful for the position I'm in
1: right now. Yeah, uh, Linus, I gotta know, you started, uh, and, and did judo for quite a while. Uh, watching you compete, there's obviously, I could see, like, influences of that. Can you maybe explain that a little bit and how uh, some of that judo has carried over to, to your uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, judo is really good, like, for takedowns and explosivity. Like, in judo, everything has to happen really quickly, because it's in a, that's why it's in the Olympics, because it's a spectator-friendly sport. So, lots of explosive throws, and it looks really nice. And what I did was, when I changed to jiu-jitsu, what I started, I, I'm just a jiu-jitsu guy, but I brought that judo explosivity and those quick throws, and what I did is, I would do those quick throws at first, and I just hang on to people because I didn't know any better. But as I started going up their ranks, I, I tried. I said, maybe I'll throw them. And instead of trying to land on them hard, I'll back off the throw and then I can start doing a submission as you know before they know what's happening. So then I started doing that more and more and even drilling this. And people don't have time to react. If you throw and as they're falling back off the throw, you can jump into arm bars. Uh, you see it happen a lot in uh, my highlight reel. So judo is an excellent tool. It, it makes you really strong. Uh, judo you have to be very physically strong upper body the more you train the stronger you're going to get i think it's a a little bit more uh physically demanding than bjj but you have a big advantage coming you know just doing a little bit of judo into jiu-jitsu as in somebody has who hasn't done anything and is just signing up for jiu-jitsu
1: would you uh, recommend somebody who's wanting uh, to just get better at competing in bjj would you recommend them doing a judo class here or there to try to help that out
0: yeah, hundred percent. Because BJJ, it, there's there's two games, right? There's uh, guard passing, and then there's the guard. Usually, not many people play takedowns. But now, what happens is it's you have to be you you can't just be one dimensional, right? Because it's uh, the jujitsu is two dimensional. So if you only play the guard, or you only, or you're only really good at passing, you're not, What happens when you let's say I really like uh, playing guard? Well, I don't have a, a top game. So I sweep the guy, and then the guy's always going to sweep me back if I don't have a good top game, right? So it's very important to have that option of of being able to take the guy down. If the other guy's a top player too, why are you going to pull guard, you know, if you know that you can pass his guard? So you would try to take him down, and that's where you always want to have the option of fighting for the takedown. Also, for self-defense purposes as well, you know, Judo's very effective for controlling the guy, throwing him, and if you're really technical, you don't have to hurt the guy either, right? So... You know, and I can't, you can't pull guard in a street fight as well. So it's very good, you know, to train judo and BJJ. It'll give you a big advantage. A lot of the like the top guys in B in BJJ right now, they, uh, they 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 all train judo as well. Like Zanji Ribero and Salo Ribero, the, the 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 head of our association, that I'm a part of, the Ribeiro social Association, they train judo now too. I'm pretty sure both of them are judo black belts also.
1: So. If somebody's going to go uh, do some judo training, do you recommend that they just go and just learn judo for judo, or do they try to try to match like what they would do in a BJJ match? Is there um, a recommendation for me on on what they should be thinking about while they're doing the judo? Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. It's way better, in my opinion, to go to a judo school to learn judo. Because, like, uh, you know, if you want to be good at something, just train in that. You want to be better at boxing, you box. Or you want to be better at judo, you just gotta do judo. But you can't like attach it with the BJJ. Just try to go to learn judo for what it is, and then you can combine both of them after. If you're always bringing the BJJ mentality to judo, it's not gonna work. You know, it's it's gonna be more. Just you're gonna you're gonna have a slower time picking things up. So yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, Titus, I gotta tell you, um, we had, uh, several months ago, uh, Travis Stevens, uh, U.S., uh, silver medalist in judo. And I asked him a similar question. He said basically the same thing. You've got to, if you're going to ju- go to judo, learn judo. Don't worry about doing, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Once you get good at it and once you figure it out, you'll be able to combine the two and, and perfect. Um, mm-hmm. it's nice to see because I don't know the correct answer to that question. Like just by like thinking about it, it's nice to hear guys like you and him say the same answer. And it just, it's reassuring that. That that's that's really good advice. Go there and learn the judo, and then uh, after you figure that out and get good at it, you'll be able to incorporate that into your Brazilian Jiu Jitsu game.
0: One hundred percent, brother. And you know what? Like uh, Travis is a really good guy. I Have a lot of respect for that guy. You know, congrats to him. He just won a silver medal for the for, for the U.S. You know, uh, that's that's a really big accomplishment. I know last year he barely. Missed being in the finals. He lost a crazy match with Oleg Bischoff. He could have easily been in the, for gold or silver, but instead he fought for bronze and then he lost a very close match to actually a Canadian guy For him. So for him to come back after these four years, I have a lot of respect for that guy. You know, he's definitely a hardworking guy. He's got some injuries and, uh, he, he learned too fast because he had a really good attitude. You know what I mean? When I started, I didn't, I didn't pick up this idea until probably I was like, purple or brown belt I you know I had a really bad attitude I I just tried to use like judo in my BJJ and I would I got a little arrogant because I thought that judo is better than BJJ because I wasn't doing BJJ but I was still winning tournaments as a white and blue belt then as a purple belt then I started losing a little bit to some smaller guys locally and then I thought hey maybe you know I'm not doing this whole jiu thing right after all so then I actually started paying attention in class and paying attention to the rules. And it really humbled me and then opened, opened me up to the sport and to where I am today. It was a actually, you know, mind, a mind-opening experience. And now I tell all of my students as well, you know, like, you know, like, be humble guys, always try to learn and stuff. Never think you know it all because I just got my black belt not so recently. And then even in judo, I got my black belt like three, four, five years ago. I don't I don't remember how long. And then when I got my black belt, I've learned more since I've got my black belt than at, than at any other belt because now my, my mind is open to you know, so many more possibilities.
1: I really appreciate you sharing about... Uh, struggling the transi- with the transition over to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and and how your attitude eventually changed. I'm curious to know uh, what changed on the mat. What techniques did you start to pick up, and and what actually uh, changed in your game when you uh, started looking more at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as uh, as a martial art and not just a supplement to your judo?
0: Well, like a lot of things changed. I started picking up uh, a lot more techniques, and mainly like uh, like techniques that are not familiar to judo you know like the guard and like spider guard dalieva like all the new school style of jiu jitsu was what i was missing right so that's that's, yeah, that's pretty much it right and then but then it's endless right I started picking up even, like, the Eddie Bravo system, like, you know, his rubber guard system. My mind just opened up to everything that I saw, and I watch a lot on YouTube, and I'm always watching fights and even lower belts, and I'm analyzing what people are doing. So I'm always open to all the new things. Sometimes when I referee and I see, like, blue belts do some really cool techniques, you know, maybe the, every guy is, like, good at that one technique that they practice so much. So even though they might only be, like, a purple belt, there'll be a black belt that, like, that one technique they do all the time. You know what I mean? So then I, I started, you know, just opening my mind even to other people's good techniques, things that I didn't think would be really practical and saw other people put it at work. And then I'm constantly learning more and more every single day. So from, from everything, you know, jiu evolving so much, all kinds of techniques. They're, they're, it's it's endless, right? Worm guard, you know, what I mean, look, look where we've come.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, with the combinations and things, it really is endless, uh, the different possibilities that you could... Uh, link things together, and then the new techniques people are are, are coming uh, to the mats with. You mentioned yeah, you mentioned about three and a half months ago. You opened up your own gym. Uh, tell us what's up with that and how it's going.
0: Well, it's going really well, right? So we've been open three and a half months. Uh, Sarah and myself, we we built the whole gym pretty much. We piled it. We did all the construction work. You know, it was crazy. And, uh, we just, we decided to have our own place because we were renting somewhere else before and then we, and we moved like, uh, an hour and a half up, up east from where we were. And uh, there's not too many traditional schools out there. And, uh, we had a lot of friends, a lot of people uh, asking us to open up an academy. So, yeah, we, we built it, you know, 1,500 square feet of mats. We wanted to make it mostly mats. We built the mats and everything ourselves. So, you know, it was a crazy experience and now we already have, uh, close to 60 members. And uh all good family people in there. I don't have any idiots or bullies or things like that. We make it a very family-oriented day to gym. We have a family day uh, every month where everybody just gets together. We do something fun, like we'll put the tarp out, you know, like on the on the beach close to us, and we'll just go roll on the mats for the day. Go we'll go go for a movie or eat some watermelon and stuff after playing after doing some nogi, you know.
1: Sounds like you have uh, got a lot of students pretty quickly there. Uh, what was the cause of that?
0: Well, we stayed very family oriented, and you know, we did the work. So Sarah and I have been out in the Jiu Jitsu community for a long time, and I've been uh, winning a lot of competitions and competing at a high level. So uh, you know, everybody knows who I am. So you know, when when we opened the gym, we already had built so many relationships with so many different people that you know, so many people join right away, right? And we, you know, we're good friends with everybody, and people know that, a lot of people that want to train with us, because, uh, you know, people, a lot of kids want to train at a high level, right? Because Sarah and I have done that, and, you know, they want to follow in our footsteps, and they think that we would be able to guide them very well.
1: You mentioned a couple times that your gym is uh, very family-oriented. What uh, what about your your gym makes it that way?
0: The way that the classes are set up? and the way that we do things, even the rules that we have in the gym, right? So at a lot of gyms, like what I see is like parents yelling at their kids and stuff like that when they're training, really bad atmospheres, things that I, I've seen and I hear about as well. At our gym, there's a no coaching rule, you know, it's everything's friendly. We always teach the kids to be nice to each other, right? We, we teach the white belts nothing, you know what I mean, and even the higher belts, to be gentle and things like that, you know, and, and, you know, we always remind them that it's just a role. There's no need to do, you know, like put elbows or things like that, or let things get too competitive. So we keep it a very safe environment for people. And we have get togethers every month. We're there for people, you know, we're not just there, you you know, you guys come train and leave. We, We like talk to people all the time without hanging out with them and stuff like that. You know, everybody becomes good friends of ours. It's, it's really cool. Like you become one big family.
1: It sounds like things have gone great for you. You've got um, uh, a great setup with your gym and and, and its it's new members, and you have already a great connection with the community that you've been building uh, for quite some time. Uh, Were there any struggles that you didn't expect to see or to have happen uh, in the process of opening up the gym? And, And if so, how did you overcome those?
0: Well, luckily, Sarah knows how to tile, so we could do a lot of the tile work and save ourselves a lot of money. But as usual, you know, with projects, it never goes according to budget. You know, a lot of, a lot of extra fees, a lot of little extra things you gotta buy. Sometimes, you know, you wanna do, uh, you know, put in, you know what I mean, like some kind of baseboard. But then it takes you like one day just to bring it from the store back to the gym. So, whatever you think it's gonna, it's gonna be, you know, you can belt easily double that number and even double the time that you think that it's going to take to be built. But on the other hand, you know, just get the right people in there, right? Like, for for example, one of our our really good friends, um, he, his, his two daughters, actually he joined the gym since we've opened as well, and uh, his two daughters are, are part of our gym, and he, he's a big construction guy. He built... Uh, You know, all kinds of, he's a tile guy. He knows how to do so many different things. So pretty much he built our whole stairs. He did, like, everything that we couldn't do. And my brother's an electrician. So luckily, you know, these people volunteered their time. And, you know, we're so grateful. Without them, we wouldn't have been able to to get it done.
1: That's a great use of the the resources that uh, the people in your gym uh, have available for you there. and, And that's just, I always appreciate that in jiu-jitsu it's such a diverse group of people from a a wide array of backgrounds and and skills and and things off the mat and and you get everybody together there's probably somebody who could help you out with whatever you're doing it sounds like that that was uh, you were fortunate with that as well
0: yeah yeah 100% there's uh, people from all kinds of walks of life in jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu's for everybody you know when you come to train it doesn't matter who anybody is you guys are just rolling and talking like your friends right you get like a lawyer you know in there a student you know yeah, lots of different people, right? You know, it's not just for one class or the other. It's for everybody just to get on the mat and everybody's equal on the mat.
1: You mentioned that uh, you have kids there that train. Uh, what is it that's different about teaching kids and, and what have you learned uh, by doing that?
0: Mm, teaching kids, brother, I, you know what? I learned a lot of patience because... You know, teaching kids, they learn so much slower than you, but, you know, once you become an adult, you just think a certain way, you know, and you you expect people to, like, you know, once you explain something logically for them to understand it, right? But for kids, their minds work so much different. They're not as mature or, you know, like, think about it like a, like a cup of water, right? I'm pouring water into a bowl, you know, but their, their bowl is a little bit smaller, right? Like, so they can't absorb as much of the information as you're giving them. So, You really have to break it down into small steps. And every kid learns differently. You know, some kids take like 10 10 times more hours to to get it than the other kid. So that's what I learned, being really patient and really breaking down the details for them, only giving them maybe half the technique at a time and then adding, letting them drill that and then add the other half. I find that works so much better than showing them the whole technique than they're not able to remember. Like small, breaking things down for them and being patient with them. I think that's the big, those are the two big things.
1: That's a, that sounds like great advice, and it sounds like you're uh, a great kids instructor as well. Um, you, with the new school open and you like to compete, uh, what are your goals uh, for the rest of the year here that you have?
0: Um, so I want to compete. Uh, I Actually, I'm going to compete. I'm registered for the Toronto Open, IBJF. So this year, I plan to go to Black Belt World and uh, compete at the World Championships and fight hard for that gold medal. So and then I have the Tehran open, so that means I'm going to be collecting points. I'm going to try to get my 50 points as a black belt in the one year until Worlds, and then uh, so I think uh, Montreal is would be another one. IBJJF it's in around November. I'm going to do the Abu Dhabi trials whenever they come around. I really enjoy going to that competition. And then the Buffalo be Open as well. I'm going to go with a bunch of my students. It's going to be a great experience for everybody. I like the guy uh, Michael Castillo is doing a good job in Buffalo over there, growing the community, or you know, all having this tournament uh, twice a year now. Uh, it's really good to be a part of it.
1: Cool. It sounds like you've got a lot on your plate there, and you're and you're a busy guy. Um, talking about competing a little bit, uh, people are always wondering what somebody does. The leading up to the competition, as far as um, like twenty minutes before the competition, what are you doing if you've got a tough match and it's you've got about twenty minutes to go before you're on the mat? Uh, how are you getting ready for that?
0: Well, you know, it depends. Was it like first match or just like in between the day, like in between your matches?
1: In the first match or like a yeah, yeah, like like the, your bracket's getting ready to start.
0: Okay. Um, you know what? You just gotta just gotta relax, right? Like the thing is, I find people put so much pressure on themselves. You know, not just in jujitsu, but like in in life in general. So you can't think, "Oh my goodness, I chin so hard for this. Oh, I better win." You know, my girlfriend's watching. My friends are here. You know what happens if I lose? You know, and my instructor's not going to be proud of me, and all these things. But uh, at the end of the day, man, people don't care if you want to lose. You're the you're the only one. You know that makes a big deal about it. It's not about that. People aren't there to watch you win or lose. They're just there to support you and to help you after you make uh, mistakes. You know, your instructor helps you, and and your game gets better, right? So you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah,
1: that that that's good advice. You've got to, especially if you find yourself too excited, you've got to learn to to calm yourself down and try to, uh, try to get yourself to perform perform better without being too nervous and and too anxious. Um, how big for is.
0: For sure, for sure. For sure. Like, you can't stress yourself out too much about competing because, or else you put too much stress on yourself. And when you're stressing out, you can't think properly. So, the key is just, you know, trust yourself. You train hard, but you don't have to tell yourself this. Just try to remain calm and just cool minded and just relax. You know what I mean? Be focused and relax and save your energy. And then after that, you're going to fight to the best of your ability. As long as you don't put pressure on yourself. Because then you, when you put pressure on yourself, you get tense. You, you're uncertain about little things that you would naturally do, so just gotta re- go in there, relax, and stay focused. That's it. It's very simple, you know what I mean? And that's 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 it. And other than that, obviously, don't eat a big meal before you gotta compete. Eat something you know you can digest, something that you know you've regularly eaten before. Other than that, brother, those are like the two main things that I can I can say.
1: Dinis, how are uh, you relaxing? Are you just just sitting there, kind of doing nothing? Are you? On your phone or you listen to music, what relaxes you before a match?
0: Um, you know what? I haven't listened to music in a long time, although I, I would say that would be a really good one. I just start uh, doing some breathing that I've learned from the Gymnastica Natural from George, like the one that you see uh, Hicks and Gracie doing, but it's not as advanced. I practice that kind of breathing just to counting my breaths. Maybe just, get, just really get in the zone, just focus, don't talk too much. I just visualize what the, what I'm going to be doing in the match and different options, and then that's it. That's it, brother.
1: And uh, Dynas, you're also a nutritionist, is that correct?
0: Yeah, certified by Precision Nutrition.
1: So could you kind of uh, help us out and uh, understand uh, maybe how important or maybe uh, a, a couple of tips about uh, getting good nutrition and performance on the mat?
0: Yeah, 100%, brother. Uh Think of it like this, right? You know, your car, you have a Ferrari, what kind of gas are you going to put in it? Are you going to put the, the good gas or are you, are you going to put the shitty one?
1: Yeah, you. I would hopefully be putting the good, the good gas into it.
0: Exactly. So then people can spend a lot of money on their cars, but how about their bodies? People are going and getting the cheapest foods every day just because it's convenient or because it's cheap, right? So you're putting all this crappy fuel into your body and yeah, your body is designed very well and it's going to keep... You know, it's gonna keep fighting. It's gonna keep staying alive. You know, and keep working. But it's not gonna work as well as if you fed it good food. So when you f- you feed your body good food, you're gonna feel way better. So invest in the food that you eat. You know, like eat more fr- eat more vegetables, right? Cut out the junk and all the processed uh, stuff with all the chemicals, add- additives. You know, and then just keep it simple. You know what I mean? Eat healthy. Eat lots of vegetables, right? Have have a have like a fistful of a. Uh, of uh, some kind of meat uh, at every meal, and then that's it. Have a little bit of carbs. That's it. People cut out the sugar, too much carbs, all all the and all the cra- crappy additives, uh, and you're good, right? Is it that? That's how it is. Just to keep it very simple for everybody.
1: What about uh, the the diet makes it so hard for people to have a good diet? And and what uh, would you tell somebody who's struggling with being able to keep uh, their diet clean and healthy?
0: Well, you know, you can't think about it like a diet, right? Because if you think about it like for a diet, it means you're only gonna do it for a short period of time. What you have to do is see it as a lifestyle change. So don't do something that you know you can only, you know, like oh man, every everyday crap. I'm doing this. Have a have have like something that you can do every day and be, and be excited. You know what I mean? Like so, you know, just make start eating healthy food, but make it taste good as well. Look up look up good recipes and things like that. And then, and then it makes you know eating healthier. You know, I mean, you want to make it a lifestyle, right? And and I find like also a lot of people don't have any knowledge about healthy eating. They just know, you know, what their parents have taught them, and then if their parents didn't eat healthy, so they pass the bad habits out to them, right? And no, nobody, you know, really goes and like looks for help until you know they they get diabetes or something. So I think that's one one reason, right? And that there we don't learn about that enough in school. You know, that's why we have way too many obese people. It's not that hard to to, to eat healthy, uh, to be in shape when you're eating healthy.
1: Yeah, that's that's good advice. I know it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, think of it. Uh, d- don't be on the diet. Just try to change the foods you eat a little bit and, and and make them better foods and make it sustainable to where it's not a miserable process.
0: Exactly, exactly. And then because then, then you get used to it. Like If you read The Power of Habit, I think a habit takes like – 24 days and then after that it becomes ingrained right and then it's easier to do it so to break a habit you know what i mean don't try to you know break what you're doing just uh, replace it with another good habit and then you're good so you know you just have to stick with it you know give it the push hard twenty five, twenty four, twenty five 24 25 days and then after that it's easier and easier to do that habit right it just becomes natural just like the bad habits did
1: yeah and for me i can kind of relate to that uh it's hard to switch everything I eat to be healthy, but it really, uh, it wasn't that hard from switching from uh, a, a poor breakfast to a healthy breakfast. And then uh, once I've done that, it's been uh, several months. Um, I'm, it's normal. And then it's no longer uh, anything on me. I just, that's what I'm have for breakfast. And then I can start working on lunch and try to start having healthier lunches and go from there.
0: Hundred percent, brother. Baby steps, and just just keep adding one thing every single time. You know what I mean? Add one more thing. You know, and that's it. It's all about consistency. Too many people, you don't know, Even I think it's this like new, you know, this new the way society is nowadays. I want everything now. You know what I mean? Now, now, now. Nobody's patient, and you know things take time.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the great things about Jiu-Jitsu. It doesn't happen right away and you get that big sense of accomplishment uh, when you feel like you're, you're, you're doing better than you were doing because uh, it doesn't happen right away. You can't pay and get better. It's not going to be better that much by tomorrow. Uh, the time that you spend and the hard work and the blood, sweat, and tears, uh, that's why uh, it, it's so difficult to become good at jutsu, but uh, the reward is also uh, very high, but it's just something you can't just do quickly in the society. And I think that really... Uh, we want something that's challenging to do.
0: Hundred percent, man. It's it's totally worth it, right? If something's easy, you're not going to take too much value in it, right? But when you work so hard to get something, you know you feel so amazing that you've been able to achieve that that really difficult goal that you have to work hard with, and the person you you became in order to even achieve that goal, you have to grow as a person as well, right?
1: Yeah, Dynast, you've got a, uh, a your new gym there, a lot of new students. Um, could you tell me maybe one or two traits, maybe personality traits, or something you see in a person that would make you think that they're going to stick with Jujitsu and they're going to become good
0: at it? Um, not really, brother, you know, because I've seen a lot of different personalities walk into my gym, and... You know, And we treat them all really well It's tough to see Who who will stay with jiu The people that are very persistent You know what I mean? Those are the ones The ones that are just going to Grind it out every single day Other than those people, right? That's probably the only trait I would, uh, I would say that You know, you can Would make somebody Want to stick with Jiu-Jitsu if, if you're persistent You'll do really well at it But you just can't expect To get it tomorrow You know what I mean? You have to be patient And you have to be persistent And eventually You're going to get it It feels like You're going to be getting beat up all the time at the beginning. You're not getting better. Everybody just keeps smashing you. But after like three months, six months, another new guy joins the gym. You guys got to be ready, you know what I mean, to see the difference, right? Because now you have somebody else to compare to that you've been training for longer. And then that's when you're going to start to see your improvement. That's the hardest part about being a white belt. That There's nobody under you. Because in my opinion, you have to have three different kinds of training partners to, you know, for optimal growth. So you have to have somebody a little bit lower level than you. Then you know, any new techniques you learn in class, it's hard to practice somebody's same level or higher level. So you try it on them first and so try to figure it out with them because, you know, they're a little bit easier to deal with and you're more experienced. Then you have, some, have to have somebody similar level. Sometimes they beat you that class. Sometimes you beat them. But it's always a really good fight. And you guys keep each other's, you know, competition fires going. So guys that are competing a lot, it's really good to train with other competitive guys because you push each other so much and makes you get so much better, so much faster in training. Now... It's always important to have somebody higher level than you. <laughs> somebody that can quite literally just kick your ass because it's really important to stay humble. When you become the best guy in the room, you know, a lot of people, you know what I mean, they're going to start to get arrogant and this and that. It's just human nature, you know what I mean? But you just got to keep yourself humble. You really got to keep a check on yourself. And the best way to do that, you know, is especially for, for like the younger guys out there, you got to have somebody in class you know, that's, uh, that taps you all the time, right? So you know what it feels like. And, uh, you have to have the fine balance in between those three. I, it's really important in people's jujitsu journey. I think that's the fastest way to learn.
1: That's, uh, that's a very interesting concept having, uh, somebody, the three different training partners, uh, people who are not as good as you, people who are about equal, and somebody who's, uh, significantly better, and, and, and how that works, uh, developing your game, can you maybe run us through a scenario of you learning uh, a new technique and how those three different training partners would help you uh, develop that technique? Uh,
0: like, like two different training partners?
1: Like let's just say you're learning uh, armbar from mount and then how uh, training with the different types of training partners, uh, this this would play into that effect with, with having somebody that's not as good as you, having the equal partner and having somebody better and, and how they could help oh, you. Okay. Oh, well,
0: while learning techniques?
1: Yeah, well, while you're, maybe not necessarily the technique portion of the class, but while you're rolling and you're trying to work on that technique.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So now, like, I, I only practice uh, new techniques on um, on people that, you know, I first try to get it to work on the lower belt. So let's say, like, that was a purple belt. You know, I, I just learned Spider Guard today. Obviously, I can't practice it against that guy at my level. It's going to be really hard because I'm only able to do the stuff I'm really good at uh, against him because he's he, he's also my level, but I get somebody maybe like my size, uh, a little bit smaller. Then I can practice all the new techniques I learned in class. Then and, I, and then once I get it on that white belt, and I say now I'll try to do it against the guy my level. Now that my technique is progressing, right? Once I get it on him, maybe I'll I'll even take my chance at the guy that can beat me up. Maybe he can hold him in spider guard for one second, and then that's that's how you use the progression of the technique. That's how I I do it personally. I'm not sure if that
1: answers yeah, your question. Yeah, yeah, it, and it makes sense. Uh, that, that's a, it's a great way, I mean, it's just a great example of how important it is to have a team of people a uh, different skill levels to, to help uh, everyone out. And, and yeah, sure. to, to remember that you're one of those people to them as well, so... Uh, you know, you might be the, the person that's not as good as the other training partner, and they're trying the new stuff on you. Or you might be the one at the top of the food chain, and they're really uh, bringing their A game every time you roll.
0: Exactly, exactly. So if you only have like, that's the hardest thing about being a white belt is that you don't have anybody under you as well, right? So you're only getting your ass kicked until you're a blue belt, or like you know, you've been training white belt, you training six months, eight months, then you start to figure it out, right? So then, if new guys come, you can beat them up, but Pretty much up, up until you're almost the blue belt, then you have guys under you and over you, right? Blue belt and purple belt are, are the best because for those reasons, right? And uh, yeah,
1: that's uh, that's it. Uh, Dynas, what uh, advice would you have for a student? Uh, you know, you got a lot of family people there. Uh, things are happening: work, family, other obligations. If somebody could only come in once or twice a week, uh, what advice do you have for them to get the most out of their training when they're there?
0: Uh, Like always, like I tell guys all the time, other than guys that train seven days a week, when you guys go there, I even tell the kids that you guys are only here for one hour, you guys are here anyways, you know, so even if you didn't want to hear whatever, you guys are here anyways, make the best out of this, every single exercise, guys, do it with meaning, do it with purpose, feel what your body is doing, you know, feel what's going on, right? Try to be present, almost like a meditation in the class, right? And just focus on every little thing, and then you're going to have a really good class, right? And, you know, Give every give 100% every little thing, every hip escape, you know? Don't be lazy. Don't just hold positions when you get tired. Just keep going. Push yourself a little bit more every single class because that way you'll get a lot of cardio, you'll burn a lot of calories in that class, and you'll learn a lot in that class as well, right? You know, just a win-win scenario for yourself.
1: Yeah, that, that's great advice. Uh, what... So, what advice would you have for the person who maybe is uh, losing a l- losing a little bit of the motivation to come in and train at all? Uh, do you have anything to say to kind of get them to like be more inspired to just to get in the class?
0: Um, like, man, you know, just show up. You know what I mean. Like, nothing in life is easy. Just go to class. Just just try your best. You know, whatever it is, uh, it's, you know, if. Uh, if you're having trouble, you know what I mean, just talk to the instructor, right? You know what I mean? Talk, try to talk to somebody if you have any issues about quitting. I'm sure people will give you some some kinds of tips. People are really nice at the gym, but you just got to stick it out there and just, you know, and you're going to, you know, whatever your goals are, if, you, if you're if you trying to lose weight and it's really hard for you at the beginning, just, you know, stick with it. Every day, guys, it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier, a little bit easier, right, as you start to get better and as you start to get stronger, right? Just don't give up, you know. Like, be persistent. Like that. Those those people are gonna go the furthest in jujitsu, and and that's it, right? That's that's all I would say, guys. Just just hang in there. You know, it gets a little bit easier every day.
1: Yeah, it sounds. Hang in there, and and rely a little bit on your teammates to help you out uh, through that through that tough time.
0: Yeah, the, you know, people are friends; they're there for each other. You know what I mean? Everybody goes through tough times, right? So, you know, talk to somebody about it, right? Don't take it upon yourself
1: do you have any advice for a student who's gonna do their first tournament?
0: For sure like I give them the same advice that I tell everybody competing you know guys don't put pressure on yourself just go out there try your best Sarah and I guys we don't care if you guys win or you guys lose. We're just happy to see you guys practice the skills that you've learned in class so far practice some game plans you know and then if something you know happens you guys lose or even then we see something you guys can fix. We'll go over in class, and then, you know, we'll keep working and getting better, right? It's just a cool, it's just the fun. I just tell them, just have fun, guys. That way they don't put any stress on themselves, and they can just focus on fighting to the best of their ability,
1: right? Yeah, that's great advice. And uh, any idea of, I know you got a fairly new uh, academy there, but, like, how many people um, do you think will compete, like, a percent-wise that are interested in that, doing that?
0: In jujitsu, um, like 50%, you know. I, I think about like 50% of people that, uh, that train jujitsu have competed. The other 50% won't. Those are people like doctors, lawyers, people that train like very easy, especially guys that like do surger- surgeons. They have, they have to be very careful with their hands. So I say those guys will definitely never compete. Like there's some guys who just do privates, you know, and just do techniques because they don't want to get hurt. Like those are the kind of guys. But other than that, like 50% of people compete. A lot of people compete or they just try, you know what I mean? They just get in there. Even if your master's, you know, master's is 2 35 years old, then you fight guys your age within five years, right, 35 to 40. So, you know, there's a lot more option for people to compete. So I think why that number is so high, I would say
1: 50%. Yeah, maybe not active competitors, but we'll have tried it and uh, and see what it was like.
0: Exactly, exactly. Which is really important, you know, to go there and see what it's like. Just put it into real application, right? It's like the closest thing to a street fight that you could simulate safe in, the, uh, you know, using safety as well.
1: Uh, back when you were switching and, and coming over to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and you were uh, mostly doing Judo, um, what frustrated you in that transition?
0: Mm. Um, that uh, Judo matches are just quick, and then it stops. So. I threw the guys all the time, and then it was, the fight wasn't done, and judo was just an e-paw. You throw the guy on the back, match done. But now, I would throw the guy and hold him, and I didn't really know what to do, and so I just held him really hard. And eventually, some of the higher belts would take my back and do all kinds of stuff, and I was like, ah, man, what is this crap they're doing to me? You know what I mean? So it was a really tough transition, because judo people are really pretty stubborn naturally, <laughs> you know? So... Yeah, that didn't help, right? It's uh, it was it was fairly difficult for me to to make the switch over. Then I, you know, like I said earlier, then then I opened up my mind when I was a purple belt. I got a better attitude, and part of that is too, you know, growing, becoming an adult as well, right? So I, I really matured and grew a lot since then.
1: Are you uh, teaching judo classes at your academy?
0: Yeah, one day a week for the kids on Friday, straight judo classes, and then. Uh, one day a week, I do BJJs, but with judo. So I, sh- I show them some judo throws, but we change BJJ in that class.
1: Cool. That, uh, I'm glad you're doing that. It, clearly, there's uh, a great value in adding uh, that to uh, your students' game, and, and you're definitely the person to do that. So that's that's great.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks.
1: Do you have any sponsors that you'd like to mention?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um... I'd like to spend, uh, thank uh, Hyperfly and uh, Josh, the owner from Toronto BJJ, and uh, George, the uh, Soap, You know everybody that supports me, uh, all of my teammates at Toronto BJJ, and uh, all of my uh, all of my uh, students at uh, Team DNA BJJ. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, you know I, I appreciate everything.
1: And uh, where could somebody go to, to check up what you're doing, or, or get a hold of you, or go check out your gym? Is there a website or a Facebook page?
0: Yeah, they can you can type in team DNA BJ on uh on Facebook, find our fan page. You can go to www.dnabjj.com dot dot com as well for our schedule. It's uh we're at be about an hour drive from uh, Toronto. So if you guys are ever in the area, you know, give us a shout, come by, train and
1: uh yeah. Cool and I'll put links to that on the show notes. Uh team DNA, how'd you get the name?
0: Uh, DNA that's a that's a good question you know not too many people have asked me that actually very surprisingly but uh, Dynas it stands for Dynas nuians Academy right so that's my name pretty much so you know nobody can copyright that right it's my name
1: <laughs> yeah and it, it's uh, it, like your uh, it says on your website it's in your jeans <laughs> that's exactly, cool
0: exactly it's in everybody's uh, in everybody's jeans right
1: a... yeah that's uh, I, I like that it's got uh it's a cool name, and then there's also a cool meaning behind it.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. All
1: right, well, I uh, thank you uh, for joining us today on the podcast. Do you have any final words for the audience?
0: Uh, no, I don't have anything else to say, guys. You know, if anybody has questions about training or anything like that, you know, feel free to send me a message, guys. I'll give you guys like the you know an answer to the best of my ability. I've been training a long time, maybe I can help somebody and things like that. So. So, don't be shy, guys. You know, if you have questions, send me, a, send me a message, shoot me an email. I'll be
1: happy to answer. Awesome. I always appreciate uh, somebody who's willing to go out and, and help uh, anyone in the audience uh, with their questions. I really appreciate that. And it shows that you're really uh, in this to help people out and, and uh, to do your best. So, appreciate that. And, and uh, thank you very much for the interview. It's been a pleasure talking with you.
0: Yeah, cheers. Have a good one. Bye.
1: All right. I do want to thank Dinus one more time for spending some time with us. And just sharing his knowledge, that guy is a wealth of information. Uh, judo black belt, BTJ black belt, uh, nutritionist—lots uh, of good advice for competitors and students alike. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation with Dinus. If you did, I hope you will share it with a friend as well.
2: Yep. Yeah, hey, I think we're gonna turn the tables just a little bit here uh, yeah? this week. Uh, we always got to keep this show new and exciting, and and you know I do have a loyal following of fans, but a lot of these fans have been sending me emails. It's like, hey, Gary. You know, uh, you come up with a lot of audiobooks and, and Byron's actually written one. Why can't uh, you know we turn the tables and have Byron do an audio book this okay. week? Okay. And you know, and I thought that would be a be a great idea. Um, so, you know, so then I had to think of a topic of, of an audiobook and and basically, the one I've thought up that uh, Byron's, uh, you know, I've talked to Byron's manager, and uh, Byron's manager agreed to it. But the topic of Byron's audiobook uh, that he's going to start writing is how I submit people on the mat with laughter. And, um, you know, can you just tell us about that, Byron? I just, you know, it just seems, how are you going to submit people to laughter? Or is that a pun in the title? Or, or what is it all about?
1: I have been working on this book for a long time because it took me a long time to figure out how to actually submit somebody with laughter. You know, you initially you start out by tickling somebody, and it's really weird. It's two grown men uh, on the mat, uh, one trying to tickle the other one. It quickly did not work out, and that was painfully well, obvious.
2: Also, on that, I mean, is, is that a form of hazing? Could, I mean, tickling without, you know, consent. Did yeah. you? Is that against the law? We'll have
1: to look that one up, Gary. I don't know, but that's not the route I went anyway. Um, oh, okay. So what I found to be the best way to to get somebody to submit from laughter was to also throw in a choke or a, a strangulation. The the best setup. Is to do uh, a head and arm choke from side control, and as you switch sides, you start whispering a joke into their ear. You know, I'm like, kind of quiet, because your your face is right there next to theirs, and uh, you, you say something kind of funny in their ear. And I've got a list of stuff that's funny, but damn, Gary, it's hard to think of it on the spot. <laughs> but so you're gonna whisper a sweet little joke in their ear, and then it's nice because a lot of times in that head and arm uh, triangle. Uh, from the top, is just have like a little bit of space where they're able to kind of not get tapped by that. And they're, uh, they're moving, uh, their laughter, their physical uh, shaking of their body will just, that choke will just get sunk right in, and uh, with that little sound effect there. And it's a tighter choke. So it's just, it's and it's really a form of uh, just complete I mean, you're dominating a choke. You, you've got the energy. You've got the the wind to tell a joke while you're submitting somebody. It's kind of demotivating, but how mad can they be? They just heard a great joke.
2: They just heard a great joke. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know what I really like, and, and your manager, um, yeah, let me have a couple of these clips. These are act- this one right here. We're actually going to play. The good thing about this audiobook is we have uh, audio clips of people actually, you know, who have been submitted by laughter with Byron, and I'm just going to roll one real quick. Okay. Yes. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Bill, and uh, I've rolled with Byron before, and uh, you know I've never been tapped by laughter before. But you know, as Byron had side mount on me, and he, uh, you know, his knee slid over, and he mounted me. He looked at me, and uh, you know, you know, just established his mount. And I, I looked at him, and I said, "Hey, Byron, man, that was that is tight." And he said, "That's what she said." And when he said that, my arm flew up because I was laughing. I was laughing so hard, and he arm barred me. So uh, I got submitted by laughter.
1: There we go. And it's it's just that simple. Just a simple whispering um, into the ear. like That's what she said or something like that. It's just a good way to go. Uh, another classic one would be to say, I'm going to take your lunch money. At, Ooh, yeah. While they're asleep, they're going to lose their lunch money. It's over. You know, what kind of a worst day can you have? You get choked unconscious. You go to your wallet. There's no money in there for lunch. You you got to skip lunch.
2: Yeah, but the good part about that is you don't have your lunch money, but you've already ordered, and you can't pay for it. So you are actually going to have to use your jiu because they're probably going to want to start start a fight with you. So um, you're going to have to pull guard. So, I mean, there's positives, that if you think, on the other side, Byron.
1: That's true. Yeah, Gary, that's uh, kind of wraps up my little audio book there. Not as good as yours, my friend, but I've had less practice making them. I've only actually made one audiobook. Gary's thought about making probably close to 50.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, i tell you one, Byron is on my back. This is a true story. And he's on my back and, uh, you know, I'm having trouble escaping. And he goes, he's like, uh, hey, Gary, this uh, these two guys go to the zoo and uh, at the zoo, there's only one animal. It's a dog. It's a shit zoo. <laughs> and as I started laughing, he choked me out.
1: There we go. Yeah, there we go. And
2: so it actually worked.
1: That's uh, it's, it's a good way. It's better. So we talked a little bit about like pre gaming and visualizing your game. Visualize telling that joke to somebody as you're locking up that submission and and how they would react. And uh, it's yep. I'll tell you what, it's all in the delivery,
2: Gary. And then take their lunch money.
1: Ask me what's the most important thing in comedy. What's the most timing? Important thing in com- timing. <laughs> I thought a, it was a delivery. <laughs> it's all timing, Gary. Okay, timing. So, uh, hey, I got I got one more crappy joke since we're telling. Uh, not that your joke was bad or mine was terrible, but uh, 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 knock knock. Who's there? The interrupting cow.
2: The interrupting Moo.
1: cow. <laughs> all right, we better cut the cut the jokes here because these are getting bad.
2: Yep, yeah, hey, two drink minimum. Next show at eight. Hey,
1: <laughs> Man, uh, okay. Uh, what do we hey,
2: I this? know we've already talked about Rob, Sean, Greg, and Alexandra and they are our Patreon supporters. Um, so uh, check out our link in the show notes. Patreon is a, uh, a website for content producers and uh, um Basically, it's a way to show your support to the show if you're so inclined to do so. And, and you know, the show's not free. So, uh, um, well, the show is free, but it costs us money to uh, put on. So if you do want to become a Patreon supporter and support the show, uh, check out the link. And uh, if you do become a $3 per, per show supporter uh, like Rob, Sean, Greg, and Alexander, you will get a 5-inch BJJ Brick Gee patch mailed to you for free anywhere in the world. Well, hopefully Basically. anywhere in the world that we can mail it to.
1: Yeah, you got to have an address. Yeah. But, yep. it, but uh, if you don't have an address, uh, maybe you should get your uh, address together first and then think about supporting the show. But uh got to take care of your, the house first. Yes, the address definitely. first. So. Yep, we definitely appreciate the Patreon support. It's helping us uh, keep this brick floating on the water. Got to stay, stay afloat, Gary.
2: And it's not easy to keep a brick floating.
1: Yep. We are located in Wichita, Kansas, and if somebody wants to come train with us, we're happy to have you on the mats, my friends. Uh, drop us a line at bjjbrick at gmail.com or hit us up on our Facebook page. Those are two easy ways, or if you just want to say, hey, what's up, guys? Those are two great ways to get a hold of us and uh, see what's going on. If you're here to roll, we're here to roll with you. So uh, always a good time, Gary.
2: Yep, we've had a couple of people stop by and uh, always had fun. So if you are coming by, you know, send us an email, bjjbrick at gmail.com. Always uh, don't forget to tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, the best form of flattery we can get um, is when somebody says, hey, I'm uh, actually listening to the show because my buddy Brock told me about it. So, um, you know, tell all your buddies about it. So, um uh, and we, we really, really appreciate that. And last but not least, check us out on social media. We're on uh, Facebook. We're on YouTube. Check out the YouTube channel. There's a really cool video of uh, Byron making a grilled cheese, uh, speaking of comedy. That's true. You, know, you definitely want to check that one out. The timing was great on that one. So uh, don't miss that one. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit. So uh, definitely uh, check us out on social media.
1: All right, my friends, whether you are on the mat In the racquetball court with Gary trying to find that Pokemon. I want you to stay sweaty, my friends.
2: And don't forget to shower and always make sure you have fun while you're training Jiu-Jitsu. Make sure, take some time to laugh. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all,
0: the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.